When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions you can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we'll be here with you for the next hour talking about all the news stories that have grabbed our attention, uh, answering your questions and with our amazing, amazing guests absolutely not an apprentice a full-scale expert this one uh but coming up we're looking at the new stories that have grabbed our well interest is interest the right word i don't know made us furious maybe this week as ever if you want to comment if you've got some thoughts do tweet us tell us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour now what is our first story this week well we're still reeling off the back of um all of the new stories about harvey weinstein allegedly being a sexual predator and it's escalated from new stories of actresses sharing their uh, tales of, of, of woe at his hands through to hashtags of women sharing their stories from the ages of 7, 14 onwards of being harassed in the street, being catcalled, being touched inappropriately using the Me Too hashtag. Um, and the thing that uh, stood out in my mind was the spin-off so we've had uh, a him to hashtag where men can share their stories but also highlight where they maybe have now acknowledged that they have also behaved inappropriately towards a woman and him though which was started by Liz Plank and the reason she started it was to say actually we've got lots of women saying me too but what about saying him though and what about getting men to identify the part they have played in this and I, I thought it was really interesting that and we do it all the time with women we say you know it's us and it's it's awful and we need to fix it and she's saying no actually men what are you going to do about it how are you going to fix it because we're not the ones doing this to ourselves you guys are the ones doing it to us that's what i found really interesting because you know all this me too was happening and somebody posted on twitter going i find it really interesting that you know there's all these women speaking out about these occasions but yet all the men are astounded that this has even happened and all surprised they don't seem to know anybody any man that's committed this yet every woman knows a woman that's had a man commit yeah 
the, and so yeah, it's um, it, there's some really interesting threads that this whole story is throwing up, and I think ultimately it's going to be positive. But I think the other thread that's coming up is Katie Hopkins did a tweet, um, and I've had conversations with people. I've had conversations with men where they're going, yeah, but there's some women, and there's some women who are draped on Harvey's arm, and they've probably used sex to get what they want and I'm like that is a completely different thing like you cannot muddy those two those two things together I don't think you can and I think what that shows is a complete lack of understanding about what this is about because this is not actually about sex it's about power and about bullying ultimately sexual harassment is a form of bullying that is in the main targeted towards women that's what it is and we have to talk about it as a form of using your power to really push somebody into a situation that they're not comfortable with so women and men who have used sex to get what they want it's not i don't know it wouldn't be my my choice of form but you know um who use sex to get what they want that they've tried to use their power and they've had somebody reciprocate it back with them right that's a two-way relationship but when somebody is harassing a woman and they have they are sitting in a position of power above that woman that is sexual harassment and it is bullying. And we need to talk about it as such. But also it's the, it's the social acceptance of it, isn't it? And yeah. it's, um, there was an article this week on the BBC around um, the kind of the safety work we have to do as women. And I think there's been a lot of this. You know, the film industry is not unique. This has happened in every industry. Um, no, there is no industry, I don't think, that is an exception to this, where it's had me- men in power abusing that power. But there's sort of this, like... I don't know, we've just kind of got used to all this safety work that we do as women. Explain what safety work is. So things like, I don't know, walking home with your keys in your hand in a certain position. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, my safety work is I won't walk to my house from the tube station after 8 o'clock. I'll pay £12 for a cab home. You know, I'm conscious and aware and that just becomes habitual and it becomes normal. Mm. And this is what I feel is going to be the positivity that comes out of this is we are making something that traditionally has just been an assumption that this is just what happens is to go this is not just what happens and it's not just going to be habitual did you see the media list that was going around do you see that so because i think we are looking at this as um something happens in hollywood and we go well that's hollywood it's the casting couch it's been going on for ages no it happens in every single industry and i think at the beginning end of last week beginning of this week there came out a media list for the uk media industry and that's not necessarily film and tv that's you know newspapers marketing ad agencies and it is a list of men that you need to keep an eye out on a list of men who if they say yeah let's get a drink and talk about your career don't want to talk about your career hold on what yeah an actual list and it had been going around all the agencies within london everyone knew about i didn't know about it nobody sent to me but everyone knew about it they've just made it private but you can still access it and it's a list of men that you need to be careful of yeah but i know a few of them yeah and so when we were dissecting this earlier i think it's important to know the relationship between something that might seem harmless i.e a cat call uh, a suggestion no isn't it's important to relate make the relationship between that and actually getting away with that is the precursor to trying to do something far more dangerous i.e rape a woman that's that is an important and i don't think until we start showing men that actually the thing they think is harmless leads to more that they'll make the brain connection as with lots of other things which which is is why i like that the hashtag span out of it just being me too because men i think men were slightly oblivious to to that realistically but the him though um 
the hymn too. It's kind of, okay, contribute, contribute. And we've had, uh, what's Kill Bill guy name? Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. Tarantino coming out and saying, actually, yeah, I knew and I didn't do anything about it and I'm really sorry. Uh, and I need some of my other Hollywood guys to come forward. It's like, it's taken how many weeks? Yeah, and it's also say this? how many films of women being chopped up, Quentin, really? <laughs> um, and, you know, and I do get frustrated by this men being like, oh, you know, well, we want to contribute. We want to be involved in the conversation, but we don't know how. You know, we need to invite men into this conversation too. What do you want? An embossed invitation? You mm. get in the conversation. Get That's in. true. Uh, so our second story this week, um, this is a really, I was really shocked by this. Emma, what is it? So there's been a recent study, so data from GP practices between 2002 to, 20, oh, I can't speak today, 2014 showed rates of self-harm for boys stayed roughly steady, but soared upwards for girls. So basically self-harm amongst girls aged 13 to 16 rose by 68% in three years. 68%. Like, what is happening to our girls? We did a story just a few shows ago about um, girls and anxiety and their levels were way higher than the guys. And I'm just like, what, like, what is going on with with these young girls that they're not coping and they're not... And I, I don't know, is it just that we're more aware of it now? Like, is it because... We've talked about this before, but we see... We see kind of vloggers and social media stars talking about it. So these girls are now actually aware of how it works. I is that right? I don't know. 68% to me says it's an epidemic. Yeah. And so I think there are multiple layers to this in that it's more prevalent and they're seeing it happening. It's, you know, part of major storylines on TV soaps, not just social media. So they're aware of it. If they've got friends that are doing it and their friends say, actually, it's a release, even if you weren't considering it before based on maybe more friends doing it it's something you might try and because the support systems aren't in place for young people to have an outlet and say this is the stuff that's affecting me they're finding their own coping mechanisms that have maybe become part of a culture of being a young person and so I think we need the interventions as with any epidemic we need um, interventions to support them so that they have another outlet and I think it's important for mainstream shows to cover these topics, but they need to consider the sensitivities of how they cover it and whether or not in covering it, they're also glamorising something. Because I think we talk about it and I see a lot of narrative around mental health. And, you know, I think probably when we talk about on the show, you know, we say go and see counsellors. But there's a whole thing around emotional intelligence and we never teach people really the tools. We talk about the symptoms. We talk about when it gets extreme going to there. But we're not actually sharing or talking or educating people around emotional intelligence. And I've done lots of studies around that. And when you understand how your mind works, you, you can really pull your back from a number of these depressions, anxiety, all these kind of struggles. You really can turn those around by yourself. But you need the tools to do that. You I think we need to get a 13-year-old girl. I'm going to get some of the girls to come in and tell us because... Because, well, to us, we're old women. So we, I think we just need to ask them. Actually, yeah. that would be good. Let's do that. Next Let's show. ask the girls. Um, and then our final story of this week is body form. And if everybody else is not singing the body form tune in their head oh, right now, I don't know how you manage it. Body form. Yeah, exactly. Body form for you. How just do we know that? like that. How it's, does it stay? It, the marketing your brain works. forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so body form has become the first... Uh, First sanitary towel provider to actually show blood in the advert. So rather than using that blue liquid to represent it, it is now using a red 
very viscous <laughs> substance to show blood. And on the one hand, I absolutely wanted to celebrate this and be like, yes, thank God we're, you know, open and honest about the fact that women bleed. And on the other hand, I was a me bit freaked too. out by Someone it. Someone sent me the link and I was like, I really, I really want to be like a badass feminist about this, but I, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, but I, I was saying, look, so two things. There are some people that are just squeamish when it comes to blood full stop. So that it's not an unnatural response. But I, I don't place any joy at seeing blood once a month coming out of my body. I just don't. So therefore, I don't, want, I don't need to see it on TV. And I get the feminist celebration of this is the reality. Yes, great. But I don't like it when it's me. It's once a month. I feel punished for no reason <laughs> other than being a woman. And yeah, we've so got to change the narrative around periods. I we? think we yeah, do. you said it, but you, you mentioned ad- an advert from a different company the other day where they showed women bleeding because they were doing sports and climbing mountains and. That's yeah. I I, I can get Hang down on, with I that. I don't want to just bleed because I've climbed a mountain. That's a lot of <laughs> yeah. that's a lot or of effort. Playing football or whatever. And it is the updated version, I guess, of the body form girl on the roller skates, right? Do you know what? She inspired <laughs> yeah. a whole a whole decade of my me oh, you, playing roller you skates. You love me roller skating. <laughs> I love roller skating. So let's not. Diss I that. I am sort of hopeful though that actually what this will mean is for the generation below us, it's just going to normalise it. And actually, they won't be kind of so kind of like squeamish about it that they won't maybe won't find it as much of a curse. Literally, yeah. Can we start a trend to turn? Remember the red t- red tent? Well, I don't remember the red tents. <laughs> like I, that, I'm not <laughs> that old. Explain the red tents. There was a whole thing. So we like hundreds of years ago where if you were on your period, you'd all go and hang out in the red tent with other women who are on their period and just I don't know what they did in there. Chat, put the world to rights. Yeah, but I'm bond. like, let's can we like turn instead of it being the curse? Can we like celebrate it somehow? That's where. I would in like our pajamas, do, do that anyway. That's that's kettle chips on the sofa and <laughs> exactly. um, red wine. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, okay. we're going to bring back the red tent. That's what we want. <laughs> not, not blood and adverts, but somewhere to go and hang out with wine. In fact, that's a better that's a better choice. Body form. Do a red tent. <laughs> celebrate <laughs> like Burning Man. Do that. Stick a great big tampon and sanitary towel. Burning with spots. I, I, I like onesies. that. Ad. Yeah, do that. <laughs> There you go. Problem solved. Uh, So we are going to take a little break. But when we come back, we are going to have the amazing Bianca Miller in the studio with us talking business, talking apprentice, talking her new book. Um, And we're going to be learning how to be self-made. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we're also very excited to have with us entrepreneur, CEO, author, apprentice superstar, Bianca Miller-Cole. <laughs> that was a nice introduction. Ooh, I like I was it. Like, oh my God, I'm really hard on these. all the things. Really good. I feel like I should walk around with you just in general. <laughs> introducing me okay on that note yes. i have a sound that i hear when i see you that okay. i feel like should happen every time you open a door i just feel like every woman has a soundtrack what's my soundtrack no i don't want to know the twinkles that you, you played when we were looking for soundtracks <laughs> earlier <laughs> that was an accident <laughs> So, Bianca, thanks so much for coming on the show. We're very excited to have you here. And we are particularly excited because 
you have just written a book. Yes. Has it just launched? It, 5th of October it Ooh. came out, so it's been a long time coming, but it's out and it's we're getting amazing feedback. Like I just Tell us what it's about. So it's it's called Self Made, the definitive guide to business startup success, and fundamentally it's a 12 chapters of how to start a business. When you don't have someone like Lord Sugar giving you lots of money, what do you really do? So it's like, you know, nitty-gritty good, bad, ugly. We've talked about myself and my husband's stories, how we've done it, and we've looked at the research, we've got some expert insight. We really try to give you everything you need to know to get going. What, if there was one piece of wisdom in that book that everyone should know, what would it be? It's not necessarily in the book, but I think it's the the, the thing is feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm. I think I meet so many people that have fantastic business ideas and fundamentally the reason they're not doing it is they're fearful. And I think the reason we wrote the book was to take the fear out of it and to say, actually, this is how you do it. This is how we've done it. You know, we haven't had lots of money, but we've made it possible, made it happen. And so it's that's kind of my main focus on creating the book. But with all good books, I guess it's one that you can read before you start the journey, but Mm. when you're also on the journey and you need that reminder of of what to do. And I guess even if you've run a business, Mm. we can all do with those reminders. So if you were to take if you were to take one thing from the book, what's the thing that you come back to time and time again? So probably so chapter 12 is how to sell your business. Mm. And it's not because we believe everyone wants to sell, but because we think it's so important to create the business and have the infrastructure there to allow you to sell in the future. So although like like you said you can get various touch points i think that's so important as something to consider from the outset mm. how to have the infrastructure and to start your business in the right way so that you are set up for sale at the end now i've read bianca's book and i've got to say it is amazing having been an entrepreneur and i do remember saying this to you when i had mm. a look at an early draft was like this is the book that i needed when i started my business because you start this new journey and it's so overwhelming the amount of stuff that you have to mm. to learn and yeah. what you've done is just put it concise in a book and go on basically this is the skeleton of what you need to run a business these are the areas that you need to build and it was it's like it's a phenomenal guide and I think that with the rise in entrepreneurship I think lots of people are going to find that really useful thank you thank you and we really have tried to cover every angle so networking personal branding marketing how to sell how to find customers what to do when you found them and just the things that people just don't tell you I did a business degree and I still don't feel when I finished it I was totally equipped for business you know there's things you learn on the go that you just would never get taught and that's what we tried to put in there so did, how you, did... Or, or, did you always want to be an entrepreneur always always Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Age five, setting up shop in my bedroom, selling (laughs) selling anything I could to anyone nearby. Like I was that child. Um, It probably comes from my parents. My parents, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. He's still an entrepreneur. My mum was a freelance makeup artist in television. So I kind of grew up in that environment where being self-employed was the norm and so I think it inspired me and they they encouraged my entrepreneurial pursuits at every stage like I had a new business idea a couple every couple of years and I started and they they were like yeah go and do it then yeah so from five to now what 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 are the businesses that have enabled you to write this book uh, so five, setting up shop and selling paintings. Uh, Twelve, <laughs> I was doing dance in my school, decided I could monetize it by going to local uh, secondary schools and setting up a dance agency and hiring my friends to do the dancing for me I and invoicing it. for that and oh paying them goodness. less. Um, age uh, 17, I wasn't allowed to go out clubbing, so I thought, how can I do this and legitimately? So I started doing under-18s parties. Love it. And my parents were like, all right, it's your party, I guess you have to go. Um, and then, obviously, it, then I went to university, did a business management degree, got a normal 
normal job and then officially started my first official business in 2012. Which is? The B Group. So personal branding business, really created to help every person at every stage of their career life cycle understand the importance of personal marketing. We found that we had, in the organisation I was in, in the city, we had fantastically academic graduates, but they weren't very good at dressing appropriately, communicating, networking, and that's really what we felt was missing. And then I went into recruitment, met people who were significantly older, getting a £1,000 a day accounting jobs, still coming into an interview, not able to explain why they should get the job yeah. or why, or not even dressing appropriately for the interview in the first place. And that's what made me start out in personal branding, just helping people fulfil their passions. What did you learn from being on The Apprentice? Now, I I remember the first edition of The Apprentice because I was studying an MA at the time and it really was like business focused. Mm. And I think over the years, it's got more and more a bit farcical. Did you learn anything through that experience through business? Um, Like what did that experience bring you? I mean, two things. I think, firstly, I realised the importance of editing. (laughs) 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 You know, I just, I I hadn't really experienced television being that side of the camera before and it was just incredible how much they can edit to make it something look some like something that didn't really happen or wasn't really like that so that was incredible and but then what I also saw was just the power of networking like I've always been a firm believer in networking and and contacts and you can see in the context of The Apprentice they you come up with a business idea and you need to bring it through to fruition in like 24 hours or four days that's because of contacts and money of course but fundamentally it shows how much you can do if you have the right people around you I think it was interesting what you were saying about personal branding and then editing because you can think you're one person but actually based on how you present yourself on social media or how someone else edits you you can come across in another way Mm. so how do you connect always being yourself and presenting yourself regardless of of all of Mm. the external things it's a difficult one because I feel like in The Apprentice I was always myself Mm. I was always being quite authentic to who I am but in the edit I came across as being very business minded which is fine I'm happy with that but they kind of edited me to like I had no personality beyond being a strong (laughs) businesswoman. and then at the end they made that sound like that was a bad thing and I just didn't that to me didn't work didn't make sense to me because actually it's a business show that's who you should be in a business context a businesswoman a strong business person so I think when you look at personal branding how you're perceived and how you want to be perceived it's something you need to consider because everyone has a personal brand yeah and the difference between those who are successful at it and those who are not are people who haven't bothered to consider that it already exists yeah and therefore how do you want to portray yourself and on social media it's so diff- so easy to be uh, to portray yourself negatively and not mean to yeah so I think you just have to be so careful. Like there's things, sometimes I see things on social media, I would love to retweet or repost, but I'm like, I'm conscious I have a younger audience. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, there's so much do you have to think about now. Do you, do you have any tips for our listeners in mm. terms of, you know, I've, I've met quite a lot of uh, women, like probably in their late 20s, and they're starting to think about developing their personal brand, mm. starting to think about, well, maybe I can get some speaking gigs. They're starting to recognise the importance of it, mm. but sometimes don't know where to start. Have you got any tips that you can share for somebody at that sure. stage? I think there's a few. So one of them is about online branding. I think online is so important now. Before you meet someone for the first time, often you Google them. So just thinking about what comes up there. So I would I invest quite heavily on my LinkedIn profile. And I think LinkedIn is a great way to really illustrate the depth of your personal brand. So not just what you do in terms of your profession, but also anything extracurricular you do, any charities you support, any kind of projects you're involved in. I think that can really build a great portfolio of who you are, but also allows you to contact and connect with people. So 
my LinkedIn, I have something like 20,000 connections now. But wow. at the beginning, you know, I started out with one, you know, my dad. Mm-hmm. And then I built it. <laughs> Every time I met someone, Harriet will know, I probably met her and was like, that's it, I'm adding you <laughs> LinkedIn. You're not getting rid of me. And then once you're on LinkedIn, now utilize that platform to really build your exposure. So if you want to become a speaker, start blogging about things you want to talk about start you know if you go and do a talk make sure there's a picture up about you doing that talk and explain why you spoke there and what you spoke about because if you start building a picture for people not actively making that marketing obvious but saying actually this is what i did Mm. people start to think of you for the next thing the next opportunity I never use LinkedIn. I'm going to have to start. Oh, it's really good. I do the same as uh, as Bianca. I've always collected people. So if I meet somebody, I'll follow them on Twitter and I'll connect with them on LinkedIn. And actually, I use use LinkedIn to start my business because I downloaded all my contacts, went through and like was like, okay, who's a warm lead and just had coffee with people. Wow. Collect them on LinkedIn. Twitter and Instagram (laughs) are great, but it's just, you just have to understand how you utilize those platforms. So again, when you're looking at your personal brand, if you're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, what does it say about you? Mm. You know, are you posting things that were funny between you and your friends, but fundamentally wouldn't be funny if you were trying to access a client or if you were trying to show your mom? Like you, you have to start thinking about what you're putting out there. And another thing about personal branding is is the face-to-face interaction. I think you can't overlook how important that is. So when you're networking, meeting someone, having your elevator pitch ready, being able to genuinely ask them what they're doing and be interested in their response, I think that is so mm. important. Just not just talking, but listening too. Yeah. So when you came off The Apprentice, you got to the final, you did really well. Everyone knew who you were. Did you kind of come out and thinking, this is it, I'm gonna, my business is going to fly? Or have you, did you come out and have a bit of a jump and then have to go back and start work, work, work again? How Absolutely, the second, work, yeah. work, work again. Because I came out and they literally drop you back into the world. They're like, thanks for that, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no help at all. So I had to kind of just make my way and, you know, look at opportunities that were presented to me and turn down the ones that I thought didn't represent who I am or who I wanted to be going forward. Look at the ones that did and then start to really build my strategy for myself. Um, and that's not easy. And I think coming Coming out of it, I was, you know, I had to make a decision. Did I want to start this new business in hosiery? Did I need the stress of a second business? But people kept coming up to me in the street saying, Bianca, where are my tights? Like, I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) I need to wear this skirt. What's happening here? And I didn't want to be that person who thought an idea was fantastic when it was someone else's money but actually if you had to put your money where your mouth is or you had to do the investment you didn't you weren't interested anymore so I worked really hard to get Bianca in London off the ground and I guess that's why we wrote the book because sometimes it's not easy if you don't have someone investing loads of money in you what do you do and how do you do it so the book is called self-made by Bianca Miller-Cool it is out now yeah Yes. yes So you can go and order it if you want more amazing business and, quite frankly, life lessons, I think. (laughs) Or you can just stay with us because Bianca is going to stay in for our Badass Balls Ups, our next section. Coming up, we are going to be talking about... What are we going to be talking about? Oh, we go. Uh, (laughs) Getting turned off by your boyfriend's lack of business acumen. I think we've all had that. Um, Managing when a family member has cancer and how to make a living in a career which somebody's told you you're no good at. Can you prove them wrong? So stay tuned for that. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell. And this week we also have the legend, superstar, entrepreneur extraordinaire, that is Bianca Miller-Cole. Um, so it's that time of the show where we put our minds to your problems. We put our thinking ha- caps on and we try and answer the questions that you are struggling with. Um, sometimes we're better at it than others, but you never know. This might be the week we nail all three. Emma, what have you got to start us off with? Well, this one came via Instagram and she asked to stay anonymous. So I'm not going to read out her name, but her 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 note was god i really can't speak today can i (laughs) her note was am i shallow for being massively turned off by my boyfriend's financial disorganization he owes me money from a holiday we went on two months ago and now we're in the position where he can't come to come with me to visit friends in america i'm very lucky because i'm in a well-paid permanent role meanwhile his side gigs have started to dry up over the last six months there's promise for his side work to pick back up but i'm getting impatient I know he knows how to get out there and get projects, but I just don't see him having the drive to do it. Would the good thing to do be to stick by him or do I need to give him a kick up the bum? And she also says, thanks, you guys have considerably improved my cons- my commuting mood and outlook on the day since I started listening. And that I thank you. Well, that's how you get us to answer your problem. Flattery, <laughs> Flattery gets you everywhere. Uh, Bianca, what do you think? Because you've got another half, you work with him. Mm. If he was... I, I don't know, is he not pulling his weight or is he just in a job which, you know, maybe it's just... No, it's, it's it's he has not paid her back from a holiday from two months yeah. ago. Let's just start there. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just start really there. cutting through it, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Bianca, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> I think it's so difficult because I'm reading between the lines, he started a business or something because she's talking about his kind yeah. of side thing. So when you're supporting someone when they're first starting a business, sometimes they can't afford holidays and, yeah. and so on. But I think you have to set a timeline on this because how long are you going to be willing to support that lifestyle while they're trying to build something? But there's so many stories of people who are trying to build and then blow and are, are, are crazy wealthy and you've been that person that supported them all along and you're fine or you left the week before. <laughs> like, like it's, it's quite a difficult one. Um, 
One of my friends has a similar situation. And the reality is that if you love that person, you want to support them in their growth, maybe you need to help them push them forward to do more, get them on some courses, make sure they've got the book and they're they're getting their business going. But I think it's difficult. You can't just leave because they haven't paid for the holiday. It's communication though as well, because her perception might be, well he looks like he's not really doing anything I've decided that I don't think he's really doing anything so therefore I've created that reality in my head we have a conversation Mm. with him you you know might find that there's a completely different perspective in terms of like maybe he is struggling in his business and he doesn't know what to do so I don't know I think communication's probably a and good I think there's also start. something which is about have you made clear what your boundaries are not just to him but actually to yourself have you decided I am going to support him but up to this amount of money and up for this long and maybe that means that I have to go on holiday with my girlfriends rather mm. than him maybe that means that we can't eat at all the restaurants that I want to eat in um, you know, this is a problem when you are in a relationship where one of you earns more than the other and it happens to everyone and you have to decide actually are you just going to fund them or are you going to say okay well I earn three times what you earn so I'm going to put in three quarters of everything and you put in a quarter or are you just going to drop your lifestyle down to their level um, but if actually what this is is the money is just a bit of an excuse for you wanting to get out of the relationship then that's a more honest conversation that you probably need yeah. to have Nat I've said this before <laughs> ask yourself if you want to be with him that is the most important question if this is your life partner then it's about the communication and everything else that you said but the mere fact that you've been away on holiday and two two months has passed and he has not given you back the money or I assume offered to give you back the money or explained why he has not given mm. you back the money to me says a lack of respect. Mm. So let's let's figure that bit out. And if he doesn't really come good with his response as to why he hasn't paid you back or why he can't, then there might be an issue there. But I got a little bit angry for you when M was reading that bit out. Um but I do think, you know, if you want to be with him, invest in the invest in the relationship. And that also might mean financially and the tables might turn. Mm. There might be a time when you're, you're taking some time out and he's covering the bills. But don't let him walk over you. And if you feel like that is happening, shut it down. <laughs> but also maybe have a repayment schedule. I know yeah. it sounds really <laughs> like, As you know, terms I know, I know it's, yeah, it sounds awful. But, you know, there are situations where it might break down. You've not had that consideration. You've not had it on paper. Mm. And he's kind of thought, oh, you just paid for it. Mm. So if you say, actually, I want you to pay me about this much per month rather than trying to pay back a lump sum which he may never be able to do then maybe there's you've set you set an expectation Mm. i feel like there's no expectation there i Mm. agree i think you need to have a conversation with him which says actually i thought you were going to have paid me back by now you haven't let's work out what that's going to look like can you just play that rihanna track (laughs) (laughs) can i say the road in the station can i say that no i don't know if i can (laughs) my one comes from Soraya Vice Twitter and she says my mother has just been diagnosed with cancer and I don't know the best way to help her my brother moved to Australia last year and she and my father are divorced so I'm really the closest family member uh, at this time I've never experienced anything like this can you give me some advice on the sorts of things I should be doing I don't want to let her down Oh, Soraya, I'm so sorry, first of all. Like, what a horrible situation to be in. Um, I think, for me, I would say do your research and then be led by her. So do your research so you know what's happening and what the situation is and then be led by what she wants. So she might not want you there the whole time. She might want you for part of it. She might need you to not talk about it at all and just do fun stuff with her. Listen to what she wants. 
And then also think about who else you can bring in, mm. right? So who else can you talk to? Have you got, has she got close friends that can support her? Have you got kind of aunts or uncles? Who else is there that you can bring in? And I know that your brother's on the other side of the world, but also I would say think about how you can keep him in the loop um, and what he might want to contribute to as well. Emma. Yeah, so uh, my dad was diagnosed with cancer um, about four years ago. And I think one of the the biggest things I think had the greatest impact was uh, forcing ourselves to talk about it because it's a very uncomfortable conversation because in the early days, especially with a diagnosis, it's very, very high emotions. You automatically assume that because you've got a cancer diagnosis that that's going to be worst case scenario. And more often than not, it's actually not. Mm. Um, and I think for us, it was having courageous conversations and being really honest. And I had a lot of conversations with my dad that were really uncomfortable for me and uncomfortable for him but now we're at a stage where we can talk about cancer and I can talk about how he's feeling and it's very comfortable to talk about it but it definitely wasn't and I feel like that was the most powerful thing we did as a family was to talk about that and to be open with our feelings even if it made made us upset or you know and now we're very comfortable with the cancer now Mm -hmm. it's um yeah so that would be my advice amazing place to be I agree Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with what you said. I think it's just about providing that support. Um, when uh, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer, it was kind of like we were, as a family, we wanted just to be around and be supportive. But I know how strong she is and I know she doesn't want people fussing particularly. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of about just calling her and saying, how was the appointment? You know, how's this going? And she was like, I'm on the bus. I'm on the way. Like, I'm driving. I'm good. Like, but I knew she wanted to feel like we cared. So that regular calls and going around and checking on her, but not being overbearing yeah. I think is kind of the the balance she wanted so ask them ask them what they want I yeah. think. and likewise with my granddad um, I knew for him it, it wasn't about focusing on him so I would just talk about the st- random stuff that was going, going on in my life and it was just time for him to just it, for things to not be about him to not make the focus him uh, him and also just making him laugh mm. especially with, with prostate cancer some it, the, it plays with testosterone and there's a lot of um it can make you quite angry. So trying to make him laugh was a big focus for me. And that was, again, through, through doing research, understanding that that, that was the case. Um, so maybe figure out also what it is that you can individually bring beyond being her daughter. What what can you give her that's your, your gift? Fabulous. I hope that was helpful for you, Soraya, and good luck with it all and to your mum too. Uh, so our final problem this week uh, comes from Sinead. And she says, when I left university, I wanted to try and make a living as a designer, but my tutor said he didn't think I was talented enough and I should be looking at working in something which required less day-to-day creativity. I believed him, and while I now work in a creative industry, I do so in a customer support role rather than actually doing the creative work. I'd love to try my hand at some of it, but my tutor's words keep coming back to me. What should I do? I just really hate that. Mm. Yeah, because I just made me a bit angry. It makes me angry because the the position of a teacher is someone who's meant to be supportive of your dreams and aspirations and meant to encourage you. And every time I hear these stories of people saying, you can't do it, you can't do that, it just really angers me. Like careers advice. I mean, who is he to tell her (laughs) she she can't do it? And to me, you know, I know it's sometimes easy enough to say, but just do it. What the worst thing that can happen is you don't succeed in in it and you've learnt and you feel like you tried. I can't think of anything worse than not trying mm-hmm. and kind of going to a grave thinking, I wish I tried that. I might have been quite good. Yeah. What does he know? My teachers told me not to go into business. I mean, now they, <laughs> they invite me back regularly to do talks. Like, come on, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, I just think, just, just do it. 
Yeah, yeah I agree. So, yeah. There's a, a book that was a turning point in my life because, uh, you know, I have a design agency now as a graphic designer for a long time. And I never thought that I was particularly good. I didn't think I was the best on my degree. And I had really struggled with that. And I read Paul Arden's book. It's not how good you are. It's how good you want to be. It's like 10 pounds. And that absolutely changed my mindset because what he was saying is it's actually not about that it's not about the best people it's about you working hard you getting learning your craft you finding your way and I'm with you Bianca I think if anybody tells you that you can't do that that's all about their yeah. issues it has nothing to do with with you so no don't let anybody stop you Matt so I, I tell this story often when we do a panel I went to a uh, journalism school and I studied broadcast and my tutor said that I was terrible should never be on camera uh, and I believed her and then I saw myself on camera and I was like oh I'm kind of fabulous <laughs> so it's also maybe just pushing yourself into that thing and, and it, it immediately debunks anything that your tutor has told you just go out and do it yeah those yeah. people have such an influence on you like it's just yeah. really irresponsible yeah prove uh, her wrong we all wrong. think you can prove her wrong so go and do it and let us know how you get on and if you've got a problem you want to help with you can of course tweet us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour or find us on facebook instagram all the socials come and tell us your problems because we love to hear them uh we're going to say a big thank you and goodbye to the fabulous bianca miller her book self-made out now um coming up in our next section we are talking about a backdated badass a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell. And we're coming to the end of our show. It's our last section. But before we finish, we have an amazing backdated badass for you. A woman from history that you really need to know all about. And this week's comes to us from Roshni Goyote, founder of The Other Box. Hi, Roshni. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Who are you talking about today? I'm going to be talking about Audrey Lord, um, who is a backdated badass um, from the 20th century, and she's a sort of known by many different um, labels. I guess a feminist, a writer, a poet, an activist, um, an African American lesbian, intersectional womanist, um, and various other <laughs> um, identities. Um, what is she sort of most famous for? Um, I think she's most famous for her um, polemical essays and her poetry mm-hmm. um, and for being sort of an activist for intersectional feminism, really. And in those essays and poetry, what did she talk about? She talks, I think definitely in her essays and speeches, she talks a lot about the need, the imperative to speak um, and not be silent. So um, she takes a sort of intersectional approach to... Um, identity and so as a um, black lesbian woman from the United States of America um, you know she um, was very aware that voices are marginalised very easily by the mainstream and by oppressive forces so um, definitely in her essays um, and in her poetry too there's, there's a lot about speaking up against violence because if you don't speak up it will kill you Amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about her life and how she came to talk about these things? Um, yes, uh, I think I know her worse than I know her life. Um, but I think she, yeah, like I said, she grew up in the United States um, and I think was a librarian uh, and also um, an academic. I don't know if that was at the same time or not, but um, she eventually became a sort of well-known public figure in the um, activist 
um, which means that she did give um, kind of these speeches and was able to be published um, through uh, the work that she did. I find her perspective really interesting. She's like, she basically says that she had a refusal to be placed in any particular category. So she's called herself a mm. lesbian, a mother, a warrior, a poet. And uh, I find that really interesting. I, d- I don't know, can we really not be define ourselves as anything? That's quite a, quite a tricky thing to do, isn't it? To try and not define yourself into any group. It is. To- yeah, of course, it's a very tricky thing. But I think... Um, I think with Audrey Law's work, what she was saying is whichever perspective you decide to take, um, feel free to, to speak freely and strongly from that perspective because it's just as valid as any other perspective in anybody else's voice. I think in addition to that, though, she also used her name to give meaning to who she was. So uh, before her, her death, she took the name Gamba Adisa, which means warrior, she mm. who makes her meaning known. And it's that element of you don't need to define me by my by my work or the way that you see me. But in my presence, you will know exactly who I am. And she's saying, ultimately, I'm a warrior. That's that's it. That's all you, yeah. that's what, that's what that. you need to know. I love that. It's so powerful. Yeah. Really, really and why do you think I she's think... particularly important today? I think, well, the reason I, the reason I ended up kind of coming across her work is because I just saw her name coming up so often in um, reading and the sort of writers that I'm interested in, people, feminist writers like Bell Hooks, Roxanne Gay and they were always referring to Audrey Lord. and I think particularly as the term intersectionality comes a bit more into the mainstream and we start to understa- understand that we can be more than one thing, we can be anything we want um, we can look to Audrey Lord's work and strength from that um, and also understand how you can sort of express things like anger from being silent in a in a totally eloquent and graceful way. So one of the things I think is quite interesting about her is she sort of says that she's an outsider in every group that she's in. That she's and she says there's both strength and weakness in that. Um, but actually, that almost yeah. seems to have started with her family. So she had um, quite a difficult relationship with her mother who was says, deeply suspicious of people with darker skin than hers, which Lourdes was. Um, and so she was already kind of slightly pushed out of her own family and treated yeah. with suspicion. And that seems to have then gone into all her work, which I find fascinating. Yeah, and I think that does speak to the sort of internalised, um, kind of the possible internalised hatred that you can get when it comes to your own kind of life biography when it comes, and, and then kind of channeling that for your writing. And, and definitely when she was coming through and, do, and doing this work, it, you know, it was um, a, a time of immense strain, racial strain mm. uh, in the USA. Um, her mother being mixed race would have been part of the whole brown paper bag phenomenon which is where if you know if you were darker than a brown paper bag um you you were deemed a, of, a, of a lower class and i think it's also interesting that actually she came from the caribbean went to the u.s and then died in st croix back in the caribbean and i i, it, I think her journey to find herself especially at, at the end when she named herself after a, she took mm. took an african name i feel like there's a subculture of her finding herself throughout her whole life and maybe her writings i, I hold my hands up i bought sister outsider years ago and i've never read it but maybe her writing what also comes through in terms of voice is the fact that she's she was going on a journey to find herself um right. and, and get to that that core and the essence of who she believed she was given the multiplicity yeah. of, of what she would would have experienced growing up 
Yeah, and I think it is interesting that that kind of came at the end of her life. She was very sick with cancer for, mm. for quite some time before she died. So she knew that, you know, probably the end of her life was quite near. Um, and I think it, it says something about the fact that you're constantly in the act of becoming. You're never just kind of in one identity. You don't just find yourself and then stay yeah. fixed there. Exactly. You are constantly kind of reinventing yourself and redefining and re-identifying yourself. And she's definitely identified as um, a black lesbian writer, but she married a man to begin with. So again, I mm. feel like there's a journey. She married a man yeah. and then she spent her, her life with a, a white female partner. Again, a whole journey of figuring out who she was. And I think that's equally yeah. more fascinating um, than just her writing, just her journey. Fabulous. Well, we have loved learning a bit more about her. Thank you so much for bringing her to our attention, Roshni. Thank um, you so much for having me. <laughs> that was Audrey Lord and amazing amazing writer do look up her work particularly if you're interested in intersectional feminism she just well she basically started it so you need to start with her um we're coming towards the end of the show but as ever we like to leave you with a little something to think about in the coming week something to live your life by for the next seven days that is our badass principle of the week Nat, what is it this week the badass principle of the week is me too and we're lifting it from the conversation that's been going on on social media but also to say just stand up and be counted. Say me to him to them to whatever it takes to make sure that people are talking about the big issues of the day. Nice. Emma, what do you think it is for you? For me, it is about if someone else is doing it, there's no reason why you can't do it. So for me, me too is, you know, it's about um, yeah, about joining in the conversation, but also recognising that, you know, you can you can do whatever you kind of want to do and that sort of relates back to our backdated badass where someone was saying oh you can't be a designer it's like well yeah there's other people out there who are designers so if they are if they can do it me too yeah and I agree so the thing that actually came out for me was when we were talking about Audrey Lorde and her putting her whole story out there and not just saying I'm a woman and that's my whole identity I'm a woman who's a writer I'm a woman who's a lesbian I'm a woman who is black all these different parts went into creating who she is and when we talk about those different parts of ourselves the different parts of our experiences we give people the option to say oh me too yeah that's part of me too i recognize that and i do think it's really important particularly for women that we ex we voice what it is like to be a woman all the parts of it so anything that you think is just you or just your experience i guarantee if you share it somebody else will say me too um as ever, if you want to share anything with us, if you want to talk with us, you can come find us on social media. Find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Facebook, Instagram. I think we're on all of them. Um, and you can come talk to us individually. Find me at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Emma. At Emma Sexton. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place, with the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.